The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to them, All these I shall give to you, if you prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. As we begin this journey of Lent, you know, three days in, it's good to check on how everyone's doing. So you think you're doing well, you're doing okay, you're like, I'm screwed already. <laughs> so where's everyone at? Thumbs up, thumbs sideways, thumbs down, okay. Here's the good news. No matter where you are, it can always go up, right? So even if you're here, it can still go up. If you're here, it can only go higher. So we want to see Lent as not just the season of like, oh, I've got to do all this stuff and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. Like, instead, it's like this Lenten season, I get to do all this stuff and I get to suffer well and I get to die well. See how you put a spin on it? It changes everything. But we know that in the midst of this Lenten season, we will face temptations. We will face difficulties. We will be tempted to doubt God's love for us. We'll be tempted to despair. We'll be tempted to have impatience. We'll be tempted to seek out glory for ourselves. We'll be tempted to cling on to the things of this world. We know this because these are the temptations the devil imposes on us when we are near death. And brothers and sisters, we are dying during Lent. That's not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing. It's a good thing because if we die well now, we learn to live well in heaven. If we are living well now, we will die well later. Now this first Sunday of Lent, we hear of Jesus' own temptations. We see that the Son of God, the creator of the cosmos himself, is still tempted but he doesn't give in to the temptation, which means for us, we don't have to either. We need to maybe do certain things in our lives to reorient ourselves to the Lord to help stave off those temptations, but we use Jesus as our example. So let's paint a little context. Just before this, this scenario in the gospel today, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's 
the story we hear immediately before this. He's baptized by John in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit, the dove, comes down and says, boom, this is my beloved son. I'm going to send you out into the desert for 40 days. Good luck. But he did it after he was baptized. After he had received all of the graces necessary to be in the family with the Lord. So by our baptism, we know that after that moment, we're going to face a lifetime of temptation. That's okay. He's baptized. He goes out. Forty days. Very symbolic of our 40 days of Lent. Very symbolic of the 40 days of Noah. Very symbolic of the 40 years of the Israelites. So we see that there is a time for uh, stripping away of all the stuff. All right. So this is the time of Jesus' spiritual preparation for ministry. And Jesus' victory in this time sets an example for our own Christian obedience to be obedient to the Father. The earthly life that we are going through right now is a similar way. Uh, the wilderness that we will face, like Jesus faced, in route to the land of heaven. So this earthly life is our wilderness journey as we are journeying towards heaven. This is, a, this is known as like a probationary period, okay? God wills the faithful to overcome temptations from the world, from the flesh, and from the devil. That's kind of how it's spelled out in the gospel. Jesus faces temptations of the world, of the flesh, and of the devil. And we see that spelled out because the world would be the things like that I, I get right now, so that nourishment. He's hungry, 40 days. He went without eating. Yeah, I'd be hungry too. And so the devil begins by saying, turn these rocks into bread. Well, later on, Jesus is going to multiply the bread, but he's going to do it to bring glory to other people, not for his own benefit. So that's the first thing of the world. The world says, like, do what you need for yourself. The second is the flesh. And now the flesh can be interpreted in many ways, but here we see it played out as far as like bodily care. Takes him up to this high temple, says, throw yourself off. And it's interesting because here the devil decides to use some scripture. If you throw yourself off, the angels of God will come and protect you. It's fascinating because in the first temptation, the devil doesn't use any scripture. He just says, like, here's some stuff, change it, you're hungry. I'm going to appeal to your humanity. Okay. Jesus responds with scripture. Jesus responds with scripture in, in such a beautiful and, and true way. He handles scripture with reverence and sensitivity. So the devil is kind of aware of this now. Second, second temptation, the temptation of the flesh being thrown off. He uses scripture. He perverts scripture. He misconstrues it. Because he says, he'll command his angels concerning you. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus comes back again. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So then he faces the third temptation. Now, Jesus or the devil sees, all right, I didn't use it the first time. It didn't go so well. I'll try the second time. It didn't go so well. So he doesn't use it the third time because it didn't go so well. But the third is the temptation of the devil. All of this that you see, this can all be yours. Just worship me. And the and the and the Lord, Jesus, he comes back and says, No, the Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. End of story. The thing is this, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't add a lot of faux pas. He doesn't add a lot of fluff to his answer. He just says, here it is, be gone. 
So we're going to face those same temptations, things of the world, things that will immediately satisfy us, things of the flesh, things that we worry about within our bodies, and then things of the devil. Do this, and you'll get prestige. Do this, and you'll be known. Do this, worship me, worship that thing, and you'll be happy. The triumph of these temptations, the triumph to overcome this, is possible through penance and obedience. It's an obedience to God's word. It's really not a complicated thing because the answers are in Scripture. It's complicated for us because our wills are not perfect. Our wills are disordered to certain degrees. Now, there will be some temptations and some sins we struggle with our whole lives. There will be some that we never, ever have to deal with. Thanks be to God. But no matter what, all temptation and all sin can be overcome with aid through the Lord. So we're never going to be trapped or stuck in a sin as long as we choose him. So I mentioned that uh, Jesus and Satan, they quote scripture, and and Jesus handles it with reverence and, and sensitivity. Satan misconstrues it. For us, that's an important reminder that God's word is meant to be prayed with, discerned, and and taken not out of context. So these temptations that we're going through, right, and this first one is doubt. The answer to doubt, the answer to being tempted and, and facing doubt is actually faith. Faith is one of the theological virtues. Faith allows us to acknowledge with not just the head knowledge, but the heart knowledge that God is real He loves me, and he wants the best for me. Even when I'm going through all of this junk, he wants the best for me. So the first temptation is often doubt. When I'm tempted to sin, when I struggle with making a decision about A or B, maybe a a vice or a virtue, I'm tempted because in one way, one thing might look more desirable than the other. Or that one thing might fill a want that I'm craving right now. Or this one thing might satisfy in the moment. So to choose the virtue may not look more desirable. It may leave us feeling empty because that satisfaction wasn't given. It could leave us still wanting something more. And so the doubt that surfaces is... God isn't taking care of me. God doesn't care about what I need in this moment. But as we get older, you know, we compare our lives from when we were children to adults, and our parents said, no, you can't have that. And you said, you don't care about me. You don't love me. I'm going to run away. And we realized later, actually, they did that because they knew what was best for me. We may not want to acknowledge that to them, that they knew best. My mom's going to hear this homily. Mom, you did know best. Good job. But in that moment, we don't think that way. And that's, that's the same as how our actions are to God, our Father. We don't always think that God knows best for us because we're being left out to dry or something like that. The doubt that services is whether or not God can satisfy in the moment, whether or not he can fill the want, whether or not we will be left desiring or satisfied. And the struggle is that it's not just 
black and white, bad and good things, or just or unjust things, or virtuous and vice-filled things. Sometimes they can appear as two good things. And the Lord still is going to challenge us to make a choice. It's also going to bring up this concept, this idea that if I choose the good, I'm always suffering. Because I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing that's quote-unquote better or whatever. And if God is good, then why would he ever want me to suffer? We, we've lost this concept of suffering. And so part of the doubt is I'm not loved. And that is a straight-up lie. My suffering is salvific. My suffering is with purpose. And the choices I make won't always have to be one of suffering. The other way we can kind of think about this first temptation is um, thinking about our faith. Like things, Faith is things that we believe that not only surpass our senses but our natural reason. We believe and have faith in things that go beyond what we can fully comprehend right here and now. And so the devil wants to try to get us to question that. Like, do you really believe the sun's going to come tomorrow? I don't know, but I have faith it will. And if it doesn't, whatever. It doesn't matter. So our, our, our challenge is to reject fear, reject doubt that God is not real or that God doesn't love me. And that's why the temptations Jesus faces with the things of the world, the things of the flesh, and things of the devil is so important for us to consider for ourselves because we face the same ones, but we have an answer. We know the outcome. The final solution is that it didn't end with just Jesus on the cross. He comes down, he's buried, and then he's resurrected. How stinking awesome is that? What other God resurrects himself? I've never discovered it anywhere in history. So faith in the hope, faith in the hope and the belief of the resurrection, makes us begin to look at it in this way. So in light of the first virtue of the just man, because that's ultimately what we're seeking. We're seeking to be just. We're seeking to be virtuous. It's not just enough anymore to be happy or to be good. We have to be holy, virtuous people. And so in light of that first virtue, it becomes apparent that if we don't live well now, we're not going to die well. And if we're not dying well in a season like Lent, we're not going to live well in a, in, a, in a reality like heaven so just think about this, because very, very shortly, we're about to all stand up, we're about to recite a creed that we've done every Sunday for most of our lives, and we're just going to rattle off words. But here's the important question. Do we believe what we're saying? This is a really important part of the Mass that just kind of gets mumbled through. So among Catholics, how many profess in words to know God? but then deny it in actions? Or how many profess that Christ is the judge of the living and the dead, and yet live as though they were not going to have any judge? Or how many praise 
or give praise to prayer and fasting and almsgiving. Talk about how good all those things are and other acts of virtues. They say this is so important, but they practice the opposite vices. Of course, we will make errors. We will make mistakes. We're not going to be perfect. We strive for it. We will fail. And we give correction to ourselves. We have to hope. We don't want to hope that we'll die happily. Right? I said that. Like, it's not enough to be happy or good. We must die virtuously. And so there's a, a book out there called The Art of Dying Well by St. Robert Cardinal Bellarmine. He makes this point, says, One should live well if they desire to die well, and one who lives badly dies badly. Yet no one can deny that it is dangerous to put off conversion from sins to justice until the end of life, that they are far happier who have borne the yoke of God's law from their youth. What he means in that is, there's no time to wait for change. There's no good reason to put off seeking reconciliation. We should actually be thankful from a young age that we've put on the yoke of God's law, that we are walking with him. And the way I like to interpret this is, there's no good reason to deny or wait going to confession. If you didn't know this, I like confession. It's really good for our souls. We can't just presume, I'll do it later. Because later's not promised. If there's a mortal, soul on our, mortal sin on our soul, we need to go immediately. If there is uh, things that affect our soul, that impede our ability to receive communion, we need to go immediately, or we need to abstain from communion. But the point is, don't wait Waiting is not good in this situation. He gives all these rules, St. Robert Miller, he gives all these rules about dying well. There's a list of them. I'm going to go through them real fast. So just real, real quick, he says, to die well, you should live well. We've heard that a few times. We need to die to the world. Again, that's one of the temptations, die to the things the world tells us we're going to be satisfied in. Okay. This one I, I wrote down. I don't remember what it means now. Um, Unmask the error of the rich of this world. So there's that. Uh, to die well means we, we seek out the three moral virtues, sobriety, justice, piety. Did I miss a page? I did. I found it. Okay. Flip the page. Um, we seek out the three theological virtues, faith, hope, charity. That's just part of dying well. Uh, there's lessons from the Gospels we can take, so we want to live lives of virtue, virtue of chastity. Um, and... Uh, we want to always be like prepared for the Lord's return and keep watch with him. Now I can flip my page. We seek out prayer. We seek out fasting. We seek out almsgiving. These are all, again, the rules to die well. And then he lists off every sacrament. He puts them all in there. Baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, penance, holiness, matrimony, anointing the sick. Bam, 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 bam. All of these aid us in this journey we're on, this reality of life. I don't need that page. Good. I'm done. So brothers and sisters, 
as we journey through Lent, as we journey into this, this death to self, we do it for many reasons. First and foremost, that we live well. In our dying to self, we recognize the things that need to change. We seek aid from the Lord through the sacraments, namely Eucharist and confession. In doing so, the doubt that might come up in our lives, we reject with the faith that has been born into us by baptism. And then lastly, we keep our eyes fixed on him. We use prayer, we use fasting, we use almsgiving, we are obedient to the Lord. The season aids us to grow in holiness, not just goodness. And so, brothers and sisters, may our prayer this day be one that rejects doubt and affirms faith, entrusts ourselves to the faith that Christ has won, and that by choosing us, we have won.